Girl, guess what? Child, listen. Mm-mm. Listen. I know that's right, but girl, listen. Hell no. Girl, listen. Girl, cause listen. <laughs> listen. Listen, baby. Listen up. Listen here. Listen, 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 listen. What's up, y'all? You are tuning in to Listen the Podcast. The dramatic shit black people say right before they tell you a crazy ass story, read you the filth, or give you some unexpected tea. Listen the Podcast is the dramatic reaction to everything life gives us. Hosted by me, Santana. I'm an up and coming content creator, a tired ass mama, a Betty Crocker wannabe ass wife, and bitch, I'ma say it to your motherfucking face ass friend. From classy to bougie to ratchet, a bitch like me cuss a lot, talk a lot, and I got a lot of shit to say. So sit back, get your tea, get your wine, whatever it is you need, cause sis, listen, we about to get into this shit. What's up you guys, welcome to episode 5! It is episode 5, can you freaking believe this? Like what um (laughs) I just cannot believe we're at episode five I am so proud of myself for continuing this journey and I understand that I've been gone for two months I know but I'm back okay I took a couple you know I took some time off to rest and now it's game time bitches boom okay (laughs) so yes I am back Okay, I took a break because it was the holidays and it was a lot going on. Took a break for Christmas, took a break for New Year, just to kind of sit back and enjoy life for a minute, enjoy my family, enjoy the holidays. But I am back. Now today, the reason why I chose this to be my first episode coming back is because I wanted to come into the new year on some good shit. Like I wanted to come into the new year on some positivity (laughs) Not that ratchet shit I usually talk about. This was something that was almost like a lesson. Like when you think about New Year's, you think about resolutions. And I don't usually do resolutions for multiple reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. But um, I will say that like I came, I overcame this hump of something that was on my shoulders for years. Um, either I guess at the end of the year slash beginning of this year. And I just felt like what better way to start the year off by finally publicly discussing this and putting it to bed, hopefully for good. Today, we're going to be talking about closure and forgiveness. Um, I will give a disclaimer before I start this podcast and say that I will be discussing some things that are personal from my past that I've never publicly talked about um and it's not like I'm a public figure or a celebrity and like I'm supposed to have publicly talked about it but I'm just saying like this isn't stuff you can like find on the internet necessarily this isn't stuff that if you're not like within my inner circle or my diary of a white group you don't really know so I will be discussing things from my past it has to do with my siblings and my relationship with them um and just years of pain and hurt and abandonment issues and neglect and and trauma and toxicity and just all that um but I want to say that 
as a disclaimer, there is no shade in this podcast whatsoever. There is no ill will towards anyone whatsoever. I have gotten over everything that has happened. And that's why this podcast episode is about closure and forgiveness. So I'm not here to speak ill of anyone or bash anyone or try to bring up issues to embarrass anyone or make someone feel some type of way. I'm just simply sharing my experience, my lessons, my thoughts, my experience pretty much. And I feel like everyone has the right to do that. Um, I will also say that my story is mine. I cannot speak for anyone else. I'm going to try my best to, um, explain the things that I am going to go into depth about from my knowledge and from my interpretation, but that does not mean by any means that this is wholeheartedly who people are, what they thought, what they said, what they did, what they meant, their intention behind things. It's just to say that this is my experience. That's it. That's all. It's as simple as that. This is my experience. I have a right to discuss my experience about things. And even if people don't agree with what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, whatever the case may be, it is my experience. That's my disclaimer. Okay. So let's get into it. I am going to be using fake names today because I just don't see the point in <laughs> outing who, I mean, most people, if you follow me for years, I guess you do know some of my siblings, whether it be just from online or pictures I've posted and whatever, but, um, I'm still just going to use fake names just because I think that makes the most sense and it's less messy. So <laughs> I'm going to take a page out of this, like true crime podcast I've heard before and tell you at the beginning who the characters are. So the first character is my brother. He is my one and only brother. His name is going to be Jamal for the sake of this story time or this podcast episode. I have, um, and Jamal is about mm, maybe 10-ish years older than me, um, right? Yeah, about 10 years older than me or so, maybe nine. Then I have a sister, Red. Red is my sister who is about a year older than me. And then I have a sister, Stacy, who's about 12 years older than me. And while these age differences might be like kind of dramatic for most people, um, in some ways it was dramatic for me, but it also wasn't because like I had close relationships with some of these people at some point in my life. So those are the characters, Jamal, Red, and Stacy. Now, mind you, I do have more siblings than just this. I do have one brother and four sisters, I believe, four. Yeah, I think four sisters. But I'm going to leave two of those sisters out of this podcast just for the simple fact that like, I'm trying to keep it clear and concise. So I'm going to focus on the people that I had the most pain with and the most um, the most story to tell with the other two, I don't have huge stories to tell about. So I'm just going to leave them out of it. So let's get into it. I am the only child on my mom's side and all of my siblings comes from my dad's side. It's a little hard to explain how we are all siblings, but at least it usually is when I talk to my husband who doesn't understand family dynamics very well, but I'm going to explain it and hopefully you understand it. If you don't, then find a way to understand it enough to pay attention. So on my dad's side, he has three biological children. That would be me, my brother Jamal, and my sister Stacy. 
based on if you remember I said that my brother Jamal is about nine or 10 years older than me my sister Stacy is 12 years older than me that means I'm the youngest um my sister Red and my other two sisters who I'm not going to include in the podcast were my father's wife's children so those were his stepchildren that he basically took care of um, so we don't do the whole stepsister brother thing. We are all siblings and we basically share a brother. If you want to think about it like that, if that's easier, I have a brother on my dad's side who I call his sisters on his mom's side, my sisters, basically biologically, I have one brother and one sister. So growing up, I grew up as the only child because I didn't meet my biological dad until I was four. Um, and when I met him, I was like, oh my God, there's kids here. And I was super excited about that. I came from a background where parents and adults weren't really involved in the, ch- it was almost like two different lives. Like the parents had their own lives and the children had their own lives. The only thing that made us intertwine was the fact that the parents had to take care of us. The adults had to take care of us. So outside of taking care of us by protecting, feeding, clothing, us making sure we were safe, things like that, we didn't really play with adults like that um there were times of course but for the most part the way that parents interact with their kids now and build relationships and stuff that kind of wasn't how it was when I was a kid like I just remember always either playing by myself or playing with my peers who were like my cousins or my siblings or whoever so to me growing up I really loved kids because I was like the only child and um And so when I met my dad and I realized he had kids, I was ecstatic. I was like, yay, this is awesome. So growing up in the household, it was just me, Jamal and Red as, as the kids. And then it was my stepmom and my, my sperm donor is really what I call him. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm gonna just call him my dad because we also have a very like up and down relationship. I've never called him dad or daddy or father or anything. I've always called him by his name or by a sperm donor because my stepfather, Samuel Lee Hall, is my daddy. That's who took care of me and gave me everything that a dad gives a daughter. So when I was young, I would go over the house, so happy to just be able to play with them. When I was young, me and my sister Red were the closest because like I said, she's only a year older than me. We were both the two youngest of the family. She was a year older than me. She taught me how to braid hair. We used to play dows all day long because dows was my life when I was younger. Dows was life. Fuck a TikTok, an Instagram, a Call of Duty, a <laughs> fucking, what else did these kids play? Fortnite, all that. It was none of that. It was dows. Like, that's what we did. Um, of course, we watched movies every now and then but and listen to music and stuff. But, like, for the most part, we were playing with toys and stuff. So, dows all day long with my sister and it was awesome I mean you know I would just pretty much go over there for my siblings a lot of stuff happened well I'll I'll try to go in a timeline of how my relationship was with everyone at different points versus sibling by sibling so at this point like I said I'm closest to red we're the same age we get all the same stuff for Christmas it's awesome we love each other we play together all day long um She's like one of my best friends, her along with my cousin, Shelby, who I'll use her real name because of the fact that like, you know, she's not included in what I'm talking about right now, but she's on my mom's side. So like growing up with her was like one of my besties growing up with my sister Red was one of my besties, two different sides of the family, you know, between the two of them, I was always trying to see one, one of them and do something. 
So with my brother, Jamal, he was older, of course, like I said. So he was kind of a teenager-ish when I came around. And he would play with us. He would play stuff that boys play, but he would also discipline us. Like he would play cops and robbers with us. He would play cars with us. He would, he taught me how to ride my bike. Like it was some, it was some moments, but I will say that as far back as I can remember, we didn't ever really have like a one-on-one relationship. It just was the situation of like, whatever me and my sister did with him is what me and my sister did with him. But me and him didn't ever have like our own individual relationship outside of me, him and my sister, him babysitting us was him babysitting us. Like it was just never a chance for us to build a relationship on our own. Um, I will also say that (laughs) this kind of contributes to what's going on. So I'm going to say it. My brother, before I met my biological dad, my brother was the only biological child that he knew he had. And of course he took care of, you know, his wife's children, like I said, but in his mind and my brother's mind, he only had my brother. That was his only child. He knew of my older sister, Stacy, and she would come around the family as like a family friend. And that's how she was raised as a family friend. Now don't get me wrong. I actually don't know for sure if my dad knew that Stacy was his daughter But she didn't know that. She thought this was just, their family was friends with her family. And she thought a whole different man was her dad up until she was a teenager. And she realized it was actually, my dad was her dad. And same kind of thing with me. Like my mom knew who my dad was, but like after birth and after getting a test and everything, but she couldn't find him. So for the first four years of my life, my stepdad, for my whole life, he took care of me understanding that I wasn't his daughter. Um, and my birth dad didn't know about me until they finally got in contact with him when I was four and then I met him. So there is something to be said. I mean, keep that piece of information at the top of your mind. There's something to be said about the fact that all this time, my brother was the golden child. He thought he was the only biological child. He's the only son. And then all of a sudden two girls come, two more girls come in. Like what were your sisters biologically on your dad's side? And of course he has sisters on his mom's side who his dad took care of, but there, you know, there's a difference. He thought that his dad was his dad and that was tough for him. And I didn't find this out until years later, but, um, so that was the situation. Now my sister Stacy, when I first started coming around, I don't remember her ever really being around again. She thought their family was like a family friend. So if she did come hang around, it was probably with the older sisters, my brother, um, the parents, you know, I don't really remember meeting her until I was like maybe 10 or something. I don't really know. Like it was, it was a minute before I actively remember seeing her around. And then again, it was just never a relationship. She was older. She lived with her mom. I, at the time, didn't really know she was my sister. Or if I did meet her as my sister, it was weird because I grew up not knowing her as my sister. So that's the dynamic when we were younger. A lot of stuff happened within the family that I'm not going to get into because it's just not relevant for the conversation to keep it clear and concise. A lot of stuff happened where the family ended up breaking up, you know, divorce pretty much. Um... And other stuff within that, that changed the dynamic of things, changed where people was living, changed the relationship. So then I'll just switch to years later when my stepmom and dad divorced, or they actually never divorced when they broke up and she moved out on her own and 
he, my dad, this is about a point where he's just kind of off doing his own thing. And our, and his relationship with pretty much all his kids, I believe begins to deteriorate. I don't know about him and my brother. Cause they've always been really close. Again, he was the golden child. So maybe him and Jamal was continuing to have a relationship that I don't know about. So now that my stepmom has her own house and she's always treated me like one of her own too. So now that she has her own house and we're all a little older, she pretty much continues to invite me around for holidays and stuff like that. And that's how me and my siblings relationships continue to flourish. Um, it was kind of the same dynamic. I was still closer to red. Jamal was older. He wasn't even living at the house like anymore. He had a kid by now. He was living on his own stuff like that. So again, no chance for me and Jamal to get closer. Me and red, I would pretty much always come over on holidays and it would still be mainly about me and her together being siblings and being close. Stacy had her own mom. So again, by this point, I don't really recall her being around, especially around my stepmom's family. Um, so I, again, kind of out of sight, out of mind, wasn't close with her. Um, there was times where this is where me and my brother's relationship start to get rocky. Um, there were times where he would, I'm gonna just blatantly say he just wouldn't treat me fair. And there were times where we were butt heads and I never understood why. I do know that one of the things about it is that my mom's side of the family is very out, outgoing and outspoken. If they don't like something, if they don't like a person, if they don't like a thing, if they don't like something you're doing, they're going to tell you and it's kind of going to be problematic. And so I kind of have that trait. And my brother, I think he was more raised on like that whole respect me because I'm your brother, I'm older blah, blah, blah type of thing. And I just was like, I don't care if you, my brother, if I got something to say, I'm gonna say it. And so there were, I don't, I can't recall what these arguments were about or what was said. I just remember there being this dynamic of him wanting to control what I said or how I said it based on his role in my life and thinking that I should speak to him a certain way and me feeling like I should be able to express how I feel. Um, so I recall situations happening around that. And then I recall there being situations where Eventually me and my sister got to an age where now that our parents are no longer together, we weren't getting the same thing for Christmas every year anymore. And that was okay because I was still getting stuff, but it got to a point where my brother just would blatantly get us drastically different things that it would make me feel some type of way. Um, and I already had that happening on my mom's side of the family where like people would come around and spoil one of the cousins and not buy the other cousins anything or, you know what I'm saying? Just people who would treat the kids differently and you could see the favoritism and that would always bother me. Um, so to see my brother doing that bothered me. Like he would literally buy my sister. I recall at Christmas, he bought my sister a Peli Pell coat, which was like hundreds of dollars at the time. And he bought me like a $20 Coles coat. And of course it's not about the, the money and stuff like that, but you y'all get what I'm saying. I don't have to over explain myself. Like you don't want to treat two kids who are around the same age drastically different or have drastically different gifts and expect them not to feel some type of way about it. And the only difference is that that's your sister on your mom's side. I'm your sister on your dad's side. We didn't argue. When I said we argued a little bit, we didn't argue enough for it to be like him just hating me. I don't think, I mean, from my perspective, I didn't hate him or anything. We just got into spats every now and then because he was my big brother. Um, and they might've been a little closer, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, I'm going to be here, you know, we're the same age and we normally get the same thing. So even if you're not going to get us the same thing, make sure it's still equal in 
value or importance or, you know, stuff like that. There was also Christmases where he would just blankly be like, oh, I forgot to get you something. Which would always trip me out because it would be like, how did you forget to get what? It, let's think of me and Red as twins. How did you forget to get one person something, but you got the other person something? And it was just always like, I just started to feel the difference and I didn't like that. So our relationship at this point is deteriorating even more. So now let's skip forward a few more years. And now that age, let's say we're around mm, like 10, 12 or something maybe. So now let's skip forward to when I'm about 13-ish. Um, this is when I'm still close with Red because we played Dows up until we was like 13. And I'm still, and even when we weren't playing Dows, like we were doing something. We were still very close as like kids under 18. And at this point, I don't, me and my brother relationship is pretty much still the same. And now this is when me and Stacy gets closer because now she's older. She realizes that I don't have a relationship with my dad. She don't like the way that he treat me. She don't like the stuff that they hear, that she hears about me behind the scenes from family. She just don't like the way that I've been othered in the family. Very much so was the black sheep of the family. Um, so she starts to make a conscious, a conscious effort to come around and start to be a part of my life and be a big sister and be a mentor and love me because she can see that from that side of the family, it's lacking love. So she comes around, um, basically builds a relationship with me on her own, like through my mom, like, Hey, can I, can I start coming around? My mom's like, sure. All that. She comes around and I just remember it being amazing. If you think about this as a montage in a movie, I remember because I'm a filmmaker and that's how I think. Um, I remember there being shopping trips where she would show me how to put together outfits. And she would she was the one who taught me, like, don't put your money on the counter when you paying the person, like put it in their hand because they put it in your hand before you leave. And it's just rude to put it on the counter. And that shit sticks with me to this day. Like either way, if somebody puts my money on the counter or if I'm about to pay someone like it just sticks with me. So she taught me that. She taught me about how to put together an outfit, taught me about fashion. And mind you, she was fucking beautiful. She was beautiful, beautiful body. Like she was like automatically an idol when she started coming around. I was like, wow, she's so pretty. I want to be like her. I wrote papers in school about how much I wanted to be like her. Like she was my everything for a while. She was really the epitome of a big sister. Um, <clears throat> so we were close for a very long time. Um, and now I'm going to skip forward even more because things with Red and Jamal pretty much was the same, like I said, like at that point. So then skip forwarding more like towards the high school years I can actively remember, like 16, 17, stuff like that. At this point, I'm closer now with Stacy than I am with Red, even though she's older we have a lot in common. We hang out. She teaches me how to be a woman, how to be a lady. She teaches me all these like lessons in life and just, you know, all this. And like, she's awesome to me. Like she's everything. And I start to go over her house often. And like, cause she obviously has her own house. I start to, she doesn't have kids, a husband, none of that. She had boyfriends at some point, but like they would always end pretty bad usually. And she would try to talk to me about them. But honestly, I think I was too young, even as like a teenager, I wasn't as mentally mature as these teenagers are now. I don't even know if these teenagers now are mentally mature necessarily as they are trying to be grown too fast, uh, but without having that maturity, they think they have it, but they don't. And it might appear to outsiders that they do, but they don't. So with me, I was much more like 
a little more, I don't know. Like I just was, I guess in some ways, yeah, I thought I was grown. I thought I understood stuff. But when I look back, I was definitely very mentally immature. So her trying to talk to me about, about different issues with her men was like not really hitting as well. So I don't fully remember those moments that much. I just remember being around her and spending a night at her house, wanting to be like her, watching everything she does down to like how she shaves, how she takes care of herself, how she, the music she listens to. Like I would literally try to adapt all of those things about her because I wanted to be like her. Um, and so we had just a ton of fun just hanging out together. That was at that time, my best friend, her and still my cousin Shelby. There was never a time Shelby wasn't like one of the closest people to me and red I think around this point had a baby um I don't remember when she had her first baby but maybe she was somewhere between 18 and 20 had her first baby and so with me I was a little younger and that just kind of stopped everything (laughs) in a way like it stopped it took away the innocence of who we were so now I looked at her like a grown-up almost and I didn't have kids, didn't want kids. And it, it kind of changed our relationship in a way of like, okay, well, you're going to go be a mom and I'm going to continue to learn life and, you know, try to go out there and be an adult, I guess, and, or a teenager. And so, um, there were some amazing moments there, you know, with my brother, the relationship was again, never like we had never had a relationship where we were ever close. So, at this point, I would see him when I saw him. I would see him at family events, stuff like that. And But it just never felt like a brother-sister relationship. The only time it ever felt like that was when we were younger. And I was too young to think about the fact that he just had a relationship with us as a duo, me and Red. Like, not just me, you know? But growing up, it just, even as teenagers, as adults, whatever, it just never was close enough for me to think about him enough or see him enough or anything like that. I will say there was a point, if I can go back a little bit, when I was in middle school that he got shot. And I remember that rocked my whole world because I believe he was probably the first person I knew who had ever gotten shot personally. And I remember crying and thinking he was going to die. And I just did not understand what it meant to get shot and survive. And then I went up to the hospital to see him and I remember crying and him hugging me. But that was really all I really recall of that. Um, I tried to keep up with the drama like most kids do that was going on in his life and all the things I heard family talking about. But honestly, I was too young. So he he pretty much was just living his life. And I could not keep up because I was too young. And that's crazy because he's closer to age in me than my sister Stacy. But with Stacy, it was a little more stable where I could keep up with her life. And it, and I understood it more and I was a part of it more. And I guess, cause we were just closer. So now transitioning on to let's say college. Now we're in college. We get to a point where I have a baby now and my brother gets married. He doesn't invite me to his wedding. He doesn't like, I just, I only know his wife through passing and through stories I've heard about her from the family. Um, I'm not really in his life like that. He has another child and I don't really know my niece and nephew that well. Literally, I would go with my siblings to pick up, like I would go with Red or something to pick up my niece and her family would be like, now who is this little girl? Like asking about me. And it was constant reminders that I was Jamal's sister. Oh, that's Jamal's sister. Oh, that's Jamal's sister. Okay, that's Jamal's sister. Got you. Okay. Nobody ever remembered who I was. And it wasn't because, like, I felt like at the time I was around enough for you to remember. I just, I don't know if I just wasn't memorable 
or like if he had never given me enough talking about for people to remember who I was because like how they were able to remember Red and I get it Red was his sister on his mom's side they would definitely see her more but it just was like I was so forgetful sorry you're gonna have to hear my dog in the back because I'm not cutting I have stuff to do and I'm not trying to edit so anywho that was the case with that so we got to a point where I was a teenager or I'm sorry I was like a young adult slash teenager end of my teenage years in college pretty much got pregnant well no so I got pregnant when I was 21 or 20 one or the other and Around this time, I'm only close to Red in a sense that like whenever I visit from college, because I went away a few hours away to college, I was still in the same state a few hours away. When I would visit, I would try to get up with Red. By this point, she had two, maybe three kids. She had about two kids. And I'm just going to be honest and say without putting her business out there too much, she had a lot of drama in her life surrounding her baby's father, surrounding just a lot of stuff that she was going through. And it made it so hard for us to have a relationship because it was constantly about like she was constantly going through shit and it made it where our relationship was based on the on the status of like her telling me about her drama and me trying to help her with her drama or her doing my hair because she was always like doing my hair for free and stuff. And so we would spend a lot of time together with her doing my hair. She was a mom and she she almost was like a young person who was stuck in this older person's life. And I couldn't understand that at the time. Like at the time, I just was like, woo child, you got a lot going on. I'm still young. I'm still out here. I'm trying to do my thing. This is before I got pregnant. So her life just felt very hectic. And I think that kind of also threw another wrench into our relationship. Not only do you got one kid, now you got almost two. So yeah, at this point she has, uh, she has one and she's either pregnant or she has one, but she's going through all these issues with him. And it just was like too much going on. So we didn't really have a great relationship. So now fast forward, and this is before I even had my kids. So I'm gonna go to that part. 2012. I had my son in 2014. So at this point I'm like 19, 20 and, um, maybe 18 and my stepmom passes. This is Red's biological mom. This is Jamal's biological mom and my other two sisters who I'm not discussing in the podcast. So that was like a bomb in the family. She passes away. Red is tore the fuck up because she lives around a corner from her mom. It was a whole thing where her mom caught her and was like, like in her last moments, basically. And Again, I'm not going to get too deep into what that is because that's all traumatic. I'm just not going to like talk about that. It's not traumatic for me, but I don't want to put that business out there. So she is tore up about it. I mean, all of them are. Imagine, you know, losing your mom. It's just the same for everyone. Everybody's tore up about it. I didn't really personally know how tore up she was she was and was gonna be forever after that I didn't realize the shift in her and everyone else's life after that but I will say that the dynamic changed almost instantly um she was pregnant with her second red was pregnant with her second child at this time it was a stressful ass moment for her she was not she didn't attempt to get like the pregnancy was um unplanned let's say that so that was stressful in itself and she just was at a really weird spot in her life which I'm not gonna go more into 
because that's her business. But it just that all of that in itself played a part in us being distant even more. Like now we are really distant because all this stuff is going on in her life. I'm trying to be there for her, but, um, you know, there's only so much you can be there for somebody. And, and regardless of me being there for them, that's not going to heal them. And she just never fully healed from her mom passing and everything else that she was going through in life. So I just had to kind of like focus on my own life, I guess. Like I was still trying to be around for her, but our relationship just naturally kind of started to separate. My brother, I didn't, again, wasn't close with him, wasn't really in communication with him at this time. But, um, he had told me later, years later that he had a really tough time with his mom dying too. And I will tell you that they all look towards one of our other big sisters on their mom's side, like the oldest, pretty much. They all look towards her after the mom died. Like, like most families do, like they look towards the oldest to now take care of everything, host the dinners for holidays, keep the family together pay for everything, take care of them. And I could definitely see that my oldest sister was struggling with that because she didn't want to be everyone's mom. She already had four kids of her own. She didn't want to be everybody's mom. So she kind of like distanced herself from the family in an attempt to like, no, I'm not going to be your mom. Like stop relying on me. That was hard for everyone too. And a lot of this stuff is just me taking what I could see happening and telling you guys I don't know what their private conversations were like behind closed doors. I don't know any of that. And it could have been totally different, but that's just what I was seeing. And I think that that hurt my other siblings a lot. But I also think that um, it helped my brother kind of realize that like I can't depend on her. But I think it did more damage to my sister Red from my interpretation. I don't know. So then um, at this point, me and Stacy are still cool, but... I mean, yeah, we still cool. Um, and I think pretty much what I'm trying to get to the point that I'm trying to say is that my stepmom dying changed everything. It changed the dynamic of my relationship with my other force. Everybody besides Stacy now had withdrew from me and my other two siblings. Like I said, I, I'm not speaking of them because there's no story to tell, but also because I was never like super close with either of them either. And you know, so I already wasn't close to them, but my oldest sister, my second oldest lives out of town. So that was a big part of the reason why I was never close to her. Um, cause she lived out of town for a lot of my life and my oldest sister who was here, um, we did have moments where we were close, but it was never close enough for me to speak about like that in the podcast episode. So but I could definitely see the shift with all of them. I think now reflecting back, I can tell that number one, when your parent dies, you're not worried about connecting with, staying connecting, connected with anyone else. You're just worried about yourself, all that. And two, they just were not in a mental capacity to keep me involved in their family. And that was hard for me because I didn't understand why just because she passed, I, I couldn't be around no more almost like, and it's not that I couldn't be around. They just would never, to put it blatantly, they would never invite me anywhere. They would have holidays without inviting me. I would have to see it online. Like, oh, you guys are getting together. I didn't even know that. They would have like family trips without me. They would do birthday parties without me. At this point, I have a kid. So they're not inviting me or my kid to their birthday parties. Um, my son would have stuff and they wouldn't come or they would say they would come and they wouldn't. It was a few times they came. 
But for as long as I can remember, a little bit before their mom passed, but mainly after, nobody really supported me or made an attempt to be included in my life. Um, When I got engaged, you know, there were a lot of festivities around that time. And it was always like one sibling would show up, maybe two. And even the stuff that they would show up to, it just... You know how like some of your events, some people show, they show up and they show the fuck up. They be like, what you need me to bring? Do I need to do anything? Y'all need help cleaning? Oh, I'm so proud of you. They take a pictures. They all in the mix and they just, you can feel their presence. It was never really that with them. It was always like they were tucked in a corner, quiet. And, and that's not necessarily their personality. I know you may be thinking like, well, maybe that's just their personality and everybody doesn't have to be front center loud, all that. And that's true. But I'm just saying that in situations where I would have wanted them to show up and me to understand that they were there, it didn't feel like they were there versus other times I have been in their presence and a family dynamic and you could feel the familyness, You could feel the love between them. It just kind of for the longest felt like I was an outsider. I was the bald head stepchild. I was the one sitting there looking through the window like, oh, look at this beautiful family. I wish I was a part of it. Even though I was in the same room as them. It was always someone who didn't remember me in the family. Every holiday I had to reintroduce myself. It just was like tiring. And I hope y'all understand what I'm saying. Cause again, I'm not trying to sit here and dwell and continue to talk about like re explain the same thing so y'all understand it because I don't have time to do that today but that's just what it was so for years that went on years and years and years got to a point and all this time I'm cool with my sister Stacy but not really with the other ones anymore um it got to a point where I then tried to have a conversation let's start with my brother I tried to have a conversation with him one time and talk to him about like, I don't know why we're not close. I don't know what's wrong with our relationship. It always feels like there's not maybe tension, but it just doesn't seem like we're on the same page. So, so I, you know, basically kind of told him how there's not tension between us, but there's something weird where we've never really been close. It's always weird when we're around each other. We don't know whether to like, it was just weird. <laughs> Also, there was a lot of like, he got it honest because our dad's side of the family very much so talks about themselves a lot. Not me, because I take more after my mama's side, I guess. But like, when I would be around, when I would be talking to him, when I would be talking to people from the family, it was always very much like, oh, hey, how you been? Well, me, I've been doing this, 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 this. And they just like constantly brag on themselves. And so I felt like a lot of times when I was talking to him, there was no substance to the relation to the conversation or the relationship. It was just him talking about himself and it would just feel so surface level. And it would, and he would always, always in person invite me to his house to see his cool things that he has, his big TV, all this stuff. We need to get together for the Super Bowl. Watch this. I don't even watch the Super Bowl. So it was very much like not trying to find a middle ground of what we both would enjoy and like trying to genuinely connect. It just was like, it's like one of those stuffy white people you see <laughs> in the movies at a banquet and they're like, yeah, let's get together for some gin and talk. And it's like, you're only doing this to be nice. You're only saying this in the heat of the moment because you think that's what you should say. But like, you can tell it's not genuine. We don't actually have anything to talk about. It would actually be very awkward if we got together and, and did this. And so that's kind of, that's how our relationship was. So I pulled him to the side. I was like, I don't know what's going on with us. I don't know why it's like this, but I'm getting married soon. I would like to invite you. 
but I feel like we not finna spend all this money on people who we're not close with. Like we've already decided that our guest list is going to be tight to the people that we're closest with. And I want you there, but number one, you have a history of not showing up when I need you to. Like I told him that, like I've invited you to shit and you just don't come. And then you don't ever like apologize. He never was the person who would text and be like, oh, sorry, I can't make it anymore. Or if you see him like, oh yeah, I couldn't come anymore. Sorry about that. He would just never do any of that. Um, and I just was like, you don't come to stuff and we're not close. So pretty much we need to fix those two things in order for you to come to my wedding. And I want you to come to my wedding. And so that was an agreement. We was like, cool, let's do this. Let's get better at our relationship. I'm gonna start coming to stuff blah 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 that's what that was I should skip go back a little bit more and say around my son's first birthday me and Stacy got into our first argument and it was a very petty argument so super petty I'm not even gonna go into what it was about it was just a petty argument misunderstanding over the phone and it really could have been as simple as like girl you irritate me fuck you bye hang up tomorrow what you doing like it really could have been that but it was our first argument. We had never argued before. I had learned that she was very much so like my brother. I'm your big sister. Don't talk to me like that. Don't say this to me. Don't do that. Don't raise your voice. Don't cuss. You know, I talk, I cuss in every two fucking words I say. So why all of a sudden now is that don't cuss just because we're in the middle of a, a disagreement or argument. And it just was, it was petty and it was annoying, but it was just like, whatever. So we got into it. And she came to the birthday party. She actually watched my son the morning of the party because I was already planned before we got into it. Brought him to the party, party with us, left, and I didn't talk to her again for a year. I don't even know how the fuck that happened. That sounds crazy. I don't know why I was being petty enough to not reach out to her, why she was being petty enough to not reach out to me. But we didn't talk to each other for a year and it was crazy. So I believe it was a year, something like that. So at this time, I'm asking my brother to come to the wedding I was already engaged when me and her stopped talking and she was supposed to be my maid, maid of honor because she was just so good at like decorating. She planned my baby shower and everything. And she was so good at like organizing, decorating, event planning, stuff like that. And I wanted her to be a part of that. But because we stopped talking, she wasn't the maid of honor anymore. I asked Red to be a bridesmaid initially but then eventually it got to the point where she had too much going on she just wasn't able to do it anymore like I said she had kind of after having a kid I think from then on I just looked at her like you got too much going on like it was always something happening to where she couldn't really show up like she needed to and so I just kind of felt like she's not able to be a bridesmaid because I can't really depend on her to be able to show up like that physically mentally emotionally all that so I just kind of was like, I don't think it's, I think you should just not be a bridesmaid. And it was cool. She, you know, she understood. So now I'm at a point where I'm trying to rebuild a relationship. I'm engaged. I have a kid. I'm trying to rebuild a relationship with my brother. Um, me and my sister Red is like, you know, talking occasionally pretty much. And me and my sister Stacy are not talking. So then fast forward, me and Stacy reconnect. And the summary of that is that she apologized. I apologize. She told me she could see the growth in me. She was like, I shouldn't have handled it that way. I'm the big sister, blah, 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 blah. And we was like, cool, let's get back on track. Now, at this point, she has a boyfriend who she basically started talking to when me and her stopped talking. Now they're deeper. They're in love. They're planning for kids. They're looking for a house. They're like deeper. 
And I had pretty much always had my husband. Like we've been together so long that like we were always very close and very much so in each other's lives. But even with that, I was still spending night at Stacey's house and be all up in her life and shit and her, in her dating life. And it was just an adventure. It was so fun. But now that she got a man, it's a little different. I can't come spend a night no more and stuff like that. So the dynamic of our relationship when we reconnected was different instantly. It just was like, she is having her own life. Again, it kind of felt like she grew up, <laughs> even though she was like so much older than me. It was almost like she grew up. Now she's about to have a family and the dynamic of our relationship is not that I could come over and spend a night and have girl talk all night long anymore. Um, we can't sit on the phone and talk all night anymore. I should also know that when we got into the first argument that was super petty, it was also around a time span of like a few years before um, she had learned that she had like different health issues. She had TMJ, she had fibromyalgia and all this type of stuff. This stuff was starting to take over her life and stress was like only inflaming it and making it worse. So that was also one of the reasons why she just didn't fix our issue because in her mind, it was like, you know, we, we argued, it stressed me out. I don't need stress in my life. I'm not going to come back and try to fix this right now. So now once we're reconnected, she got a man, she's planning for a family and a life. She's, she got a different job and she's dealing with these health issues. It just kind of felt like her life had so much going on that she didn't have time for me anymore either. And while I'm saying this out loud, it sounds like I, like I'm the one with the issue. Like, oh, sis, you just want everybody to be in your face all day and not have their own life. That's not true at all. Like we, I've, I've always had my own life outside of everyone else. Like I said, me and my husband have always been very close. Like I wasn't lacking on time with my spouse. Cause I was spending time with other people. You again, not finna sit here and explain over explain it. You understand, you understand the difference between having a balanced, healthy adult life where you can have a relationship with multiple people at the same time and still see your family and friends and boyfriend and hang out with people and stuff like that. And there still be a clo closeness there. It just wasn't a closeness anymore. And things had changed because we had just came back from an argument and it just felt different. So we still continue to try to be cool and things like that. Now, fast forward to um, right before my wedding where so much shit went crashing down. Um, we went on a bridal or a bachelorette slash birthday for me trip. Um, both for me, my birthday and my bachelorette trip a month before my wedding. And Stacy was on that trip. Cause now she's back in my life. She's back being the maid of honor. Um, I had in her absence, I had made Shelby my maid of honor, but she is not very <laughs> like planny and she's not, <laughs> she's very much like, okay, what do you need me to do? I'll do it. And she's very reliable in that aspect, but she's not like, I'm going to take initiative and handle shit as type person. Like, you know, when it comes to planning stuff for other people, she's just not that girl. So, and that's fine. So I was happy to have Stacy back. Cause I was like, she's going to handle stuff and I don't have to worry about it. And in Vegas stuff was just up and down. There was lots of, it was, it was one, two, three, four girls total on the trip and including me. And there were attitudes, you know, you go on a trip with people and, and it's a girl's trip. You know how that goes. There are attitudes. So there was attitudes out of nowhere, people being upset out of nowhere, people wanting to party out of nowhere. It just was so up and down. It felt like a trip of periods, like 
just like so many hormones and emotions and everything that all boiled down to, I'm definitely trying to skip over everything, but, or like trying to, you know, get to the point that boiled over to at the end of the trip in Vegas, us having our final lunch before we get on the plane and everyone has a conversation about how my wedding is stressing them, how my wedding is so expensive, how they're going to do things different for their wedding. Let me tell you why that's wrong. If you are with the bride and you're a bridesmaid, maid of honor, whatever, do not vent to the bride about how stressful her wedding is to you, how expensive her wedding is to you. Go home and talk to your man about that. Like, it's just no reason for you to be sitting here telling me that. That only makes me feel bad. And mind you, I could to this day look back and my wedding was not that expensive for the bridesmaids. It was expensive for me. Okay. It was not that stressful for the bridesmaids. It was stressful for me. They, they did not have a lot of stuff on their plate. Like most bridesmaids do. They did not, it wasn't a bridezilla situation. Of course, there were certain things that I was very like particular about. Of course, there were certain things and that wasn't, that had nothing to do with bridesmaids duties or anything. It just was about what I wanted for my wedding. There were times that there was conflict, of course, but overall, I felt like I was pretty easy going as a bride. Um, and I felt like the stuff I was asking was not too much and that conversation. And then y'all talking about when y'all get married, how y'all going to do stuff differently. Everybody at that table was unmarried and still is to this day. So you can't say what you're going to do at your wedding until you get there. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what the options are. We're all just figuring it the fuck out once you're getting married. And so it was really like, disheartening to hear everything that they were saying it was it was hard so I end up crying calling my husband my fiance at the time venting to him on the way to the back to the room to get our bags and leave we end up I end up switching seats with someone on the plane because the the flight attendant asked me to basically um so a child could be next to their mom so I end up not even sitting with them on the way back and um we got to the airport back in Milwaukee. We split ways. Nobody even said bye. At least they didn't say bye to me. So it was very like, it ended very horribly, <laughs> the trip. From there, I get on Facebook. I make a post a few days later and say how my trip was not what I expected it to be. Blah, 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 blah. One of the girls on the trip sees it. She ends up going back telling the other girls and before I even know that she tells the other girls, cause me and her argued on Facebook. So I knew that she saw it. The other two girls weren't on Facebook. So I didn't know she sent it to them. When she sent it to them, Stacy was one of the people she sent it to. Stacy calls me snapping on me. Like, why would you say this? We did all this stuff for your birthday bachelorette party. And it wasn't just the fact that they had that moment about how expensive and stressful my wedding was. It wasn't just that. I also just did not feel special on my birthday slash bachelorette trip it just felt like a girl's trip it didn't feel like it was about me or anything of the sort so that also kind of made me feel like oh this trip was not what I wanted it to be now let me pause here and say should I have wrote that on Facebook no I should have went to them with that conversation whatever but I was it was heavy on my heart at the time I was the type of girl who would put stuff on Facebook instead of directly dealing with it. And that's what it was. And I was wrong for that. And I could now apologize and then apologize. However, Stacy wasn't trying to hear that. She was yelling at me going crazy. Why would you put this online? We did all this stuff for you. You selfish, you did this, that, and the other. So you spoiled, blah, blah, blah. So I tried to stop her and explain to her why I said what I said, which is the root of the problem. The root of the problem is not 
that I wrote this on Facebook. Maybe it is for her, but for me, it goes deeper. The point that I'm, what I'm doing is crying out for help. I'm trying to tell you that I feel hurt because of something. So let me now explain to you why I feel hurt and what happened. In the midst of me explaining that, she says, you know what? Fuck you. And hangs up on me. Never even let me finish what I was saying. Never even gave me the opportunity to apologize for writing that on Facebook. Just, you know what? Fuck you. Hang up. From there, I attempt to call her several times, text her several times. She does not respond for days. I get to the point where I'm like, we're, when we went on the trip, we were a month out from my wedding. So now we talking three, two weeks for my wedding. I need to get my final numbers in. I need to know if you're still coming, if you're still a bridesmaid, even if you're not a maid of honor anymore, are you at least coming as an attendant? No response. Um, then I hit up her, her mom's side of the family. Are y'all still coming? No response. Well, they said no. They weren't coming, which was expected because she wasn't coming. So since then, I pretty much to this day have not spoken to her. I'm going to get to that. But that was the last time we really spoke as sisters. We, she did not come to my wedding. She did not text me for my wedding and say, congratulations. She didn't send a car. She didn't send a gift. She didn't send a white flag. She didn't send anything. We did not talk, did not text, did not communicate, did not see each other around my, the time of my wedding. That really hurt me because the first time that we got into it over that petty argument where we didn't talk for a year, I graduated college and she wasn't there. And now I was getting married and she wasn't there. Um, there are many moments and milestones in my life that I could look back on and recall that none of my siblings were there or maybe one was there or maybe two was there. And that, I get, like I said, really hurt me. So now not only do I feel abandoned by, by pretty much all my siblings, but um, I'm not talking to them pretty much. Um, there was also a situation right before my wedding where my brother got upset because we decided that his wife, we were not going to invite his wife to the dinner portion of the wedding. Um, we decided that our wedding was getting too expensive. We needed to do something that was going to work for us and cut back on costs. And that meant closing off the dinner portion for only our closest family and friends, no plus ones, no spouses of of people who we did not have a close relationship with directly. That meant that this wife, and mind you, I told y'all at the beginning, I never got an invite to his wedding. I was not at his wedding. I barely knew his wife. So while many people have the idea that if my spouse is invited to something, I need to be too, I personally do not um, adhere to that. I understand it and I respect it, but I don't adhere to that. And I was not saying she couldn't come to the wedding at all. I was saying she was not going to be invited to the dinner portion. Um, everyone was invited to the ceremony because it was free. Everyone was invited to the dance portion afterwards because it was free, which actually we had food at the dance portion too. Like we had so much food throughout that whole beginning to end of our wedding day that like you was going, you was bound to eat. You know what I'm saying? But it's just the sit down dinner portion where we had steak and shit that was expensive and we couldn't afford everybody to be there. Years later, I found out it was a misunderstanding. He thought I was saying she couldn't come at all. But I'm like, I, I know I told you it was just the dinner portion. So he basically called me a few weeks before my wedding and said, if my wife can't come, I'm not coming. And I cried and I snapped because I was like, listen, it's just dinner, first of all. And second of all, um... 
If I'm telling you that I want to rebuild a relationship with you and that means extending this invite for you to come to this very intimate dinner for my wedding, like why I'm your sister. Can you just, and again, I'm not being that person that's like, choose me over your wife, but can you just choose me for once? Can you just show me that you want this siblingship, this relationship to work, that you're here for me, that you're going to support me? Can you just show me that for once by just showing up for me? Instead of making an excuse, like, I just felt like it was an excuse. Um, later, as we talked about it, we found out that, you know, like I said, it was a misunderstanding. He felt like, you know, I would have paid for her plate if that was the case, or we both could have just came to the reception or to the ceremony or both or whatever. Like he felt like there were other ways around it at that point, which there were, but him telling me I'm not coming did not automatically put in my mind like, oh, you could just do this instead. It automatically angered me for me to snap out and be like, you know what? Just don't come. And after I explained to him everything on the phone and cried and stuff that day, he was like, okay, I'll come. And I was like, no, fuck it. Don't come <laughs> and hung up and he didn't come. So he wasn't at my wedding either. Um, and my sister red was there. I can definitely say that was the one event where I felt like she was a huge cheerleader. She was very present. She was dancing. She was drinking. She was now my other sister were not, was not for sure. Was not. I don't even know why I invited her. I, I barely, re, I, if it wasn't for pictures, I wouldn't even remember that she was there. Like I wasted my money inviting her, honestly, but my sister red was there and she was taking all these pictures, crying, helping me get ready, you know, dancing on a dance floor, drinking, having a time of her life. And I appreciated it so much because it just showed me she was present in the moment. She was happy. She was there for me, you know? Uh, so after my wedding, um, it got to a point where I went to this thing. I thought this episode wasn't going to be so long, but I'm trying to get to the end of the story, but I'm damn near just getting into the juice of it. So it got to this point where I was, um, attending this thing called refresh her by this woman who was in Chicago slash Milwaukee basically at the time. And, um, it's like a, it's like a therapy group, a group therapy session. Um, that's just like a women's group. So we're at this group therapy session thing. I'm talking to them about my siblings, all my issues with my siblings. I'm crying all this. It gets to the point where I kind of learned the idea of like putting myself first and, and like taking out all the toxicity, not study, putting up with feeling left out in the family and feeling like the ball head stepchild. It just, it empowered me to feel like I need to make a change. So my idea of making a change was to write a letter to all of my siblings and essentially cut them off. Um, I thought about this long and hard and it just made sense for me at the time. At the time it felt like I am tired of like begging for your love. I am tired of begging for your attention, begging you to include me in your life. I just don't feel loved, included, important, any of that. So I'm just going to bow out gracefully. It's, why would I continue to try with people who ain't trying with me? And why would I not like, why would, how is this any different than what's already happening? What's already happening is that we don't talk. We don't have a relationship. You don't invite me to stuff. So me writing it in a letter is now just, the point of that is to let you know how I feel so you can, cause I've talked to them in person before. I've talked to all of them in person before about our relationships. And it was always like, yeah, I get it. I get it. okay. Yeah. Like it just feels like, okay, cool. They get it. We gonna, it's going to change. And it never does. So this was a situation where it was just like, 
maybe you're not hearing me. Like maybe your ears are not working. So let's see if your eyes are working. Let me write a letter and and put out my feelings in this letter in a way that you cannot interrupt me. You cannot interpret it wrong. Like I just felt like this letter was the perfect way. And I've had that that happen before where like me and my husband were sometime we'll try to talk about stuff in person and it doesn't really hit. But then we'll write it out and like it's different. You understand it more. You see the vulnerability more. So that was my plan. So I wrote letters to everyone. And at first I wasn't going to write a letter to Red because people was telling me like, y'all still cool. Why would you write a letter to her? Da, da, da. But I did feel like Red, it was a few things. Number one, I felt like it was a one-sided relationship. I felt like she has so much drama and different stuff going on in her life that it was always me being there for her, me always taking care of her, me sending her stuff when she needed it, whether it be money, this, that, and the other, just whatever. Like it was always me giving to her and it, it didn't really feel like I would ever get anything back. Um, it felt like we were forcing a relationship whenever we were together and more importantly, it felt like she could have been that voice of reason between me and the other siblings, not Stacy, because Stacy wasn't her mom's daughter. And those were three different, like, we all had three different moms kind of thing. So she, her siblings on her mom's side, our brother and stuff like that. She had the ability to be like, let's invite Santana to these things. Where is Santana? Let me call her. Let me invite her. Um, you know what I'm saying? She had the ability to invite me to her kids stuff. She had the ability to try to make it, make a, a priority in a way to be at my stuff. And I just didn't feel like she was giving the effort needed. And she wasn't like advocating for me with the other family to include me. So all of those at the time made sense for me to just say, you know what? I'm gonna just part ways with her too. So I wrote letters all of them sort of similar, but definitely different, very personalized to each person. In the letters, I explain how I felt. I even told them like certain things are not your fault. I know that I have a history of abandonment and I know that you can't, you're not the person um, responsible for that, but I will tell you how you contributed to that. And I know that that wasn't your intention, but that's how it made me feel. Like the letters were very much like, like that. Like it, it really was like me trying to gently say, this is how you hurt me. And I know you didn't try to, but you did. And it makes me feel really bad. And it makes, and, and this is why I'm just going to back away. And it also said in the letter, if you would like to talk more about this, write me a letter back or call, or call me or whatever, and let's talk more about it. Um, but otherwise I wish you nothing but the best. I love you and your kids. I hope all great things for you and I will see you in another lifetime kind of that's how it was to this day I received such huge backlash for writing those letters not only from my siblings but from other people too from outsiders let me first say that nobody responded to the letters nobody I did not write a letter to Stacy because once she stopped answering my phone calls and texts after she said, fuck you, I pretty much gathered she wasn't going to come to the wedding and she wasn't going to talk to me again. So I text her basically a letter 
And just, and that letter was not as nice. I will be honest. That letter, it wasn't mean, but it more so was just like, you know what? I tried to have this conversation with you and tell you how I felt about stuff, but you don't even want to listen. It was so rude of you to hang up on me and say, fuck me. You are all these years older than me. You should be much more mature than that and be able to have an adult conversation and and disagree and and still be okay with each other um I can see you're not gonna come to my wedding I basically told her how I've watched her put up with shit from men for years and go back but we get into a petty argument and you're not even willing to hear what I'm saying and then disappear for years on end so if that's the type of person you're gonna be I hope you get therapy and have a good life (laughs) like that's basically what I said in my text to Stacey now mind you this is the woman who I admired and looked up to and wrote papers about and wanted to be just like so that happened a few weeks before my wedding so there was no reason for me to write her a letter everyone else received a letter in the mail hand or not handwritten typed out um Uh, personalized to them and nobody responded no one said anything so for years I didn't talk to them they didn't talk to me we didn't see each other that's just what it was um I was even more hurt (laughs) I think it kind of backfired because it was like damn I thought maybe writing these letters would get them to really see how hurt I am and they would attempt to you know contact me or or make it better I'm the little sister but nobody cared nobody did anything about it and Everyone is going to have a different reaction to this podcast. Some people are going to feel like that's your fault. You shouldn't have wrote no letter. How you expect them to reach out now when your letter, the point of your letter was to say, I don't want to be in your life anymore. Like you want them to kiss your ass, blah, 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 blah. Like some people will see it that way. Other people will see it how I see it with my relationship with my cousin Shelby. She's three years younger than me or so. And I always tell her like, Bro, if we ever get into a big argument, ain't no walking away. (laughs) And I get that that's because of my past that like I'm able to have that conclusion. Everyone doesn't have that conclusion. But for me, I'm like, I cherish our relationship so much that like if we ever, we've only ever had one argument and we argued, cried and talked about it all in the same night and got over it, Um, I think. But regardless I'll be telling her like there's nothing that can happen unless you sleep with my man or some shit or beat my mama up (laughs) you know something drastic where I'm just gonna be like fuck you I don't want to talk to you no more because you made me upset actually we did have another incident um it wasn't even an incident another thing happened like within recent years but I just called her and talked to her about it and we got over it and it was the same situation cried and got the fuck over it um but I always tell her if we ever get to that point bitch I'm gonna be a show doe like don't think you finna just walk away from me and never talk to me again you got me fucked up like that's not what this is finna be so although I wasn't super close with Jamal I expected Red to fight for me more. I expected Red to be like sis like what's up like it's not even that deep like this is not what it is but you know I, I guess, you know, I, I, I do understand how the loss of her mom might've made her feel like, listen, I don't have time for this. Like, like I don't have time for this petty game. Like I don't have time to be chasing you. If you don't want to be a part of my life, I lost my mom. Like I'm not finna, but I don't know. I guess at the same time, I start to think that if you lose your parent or someone really close to you, you cherish relationships more, you want to water those and make sure that they don't go anywhere. But everyone's different. That's just how I thought. Um, And with my other sister, you know, I don't know what I expected of her, but she also didn't reach out. So, you know, it just was what it was. Um, And then years later, it got to a point where that letter gave me closure for a little bit, but it didn't fully give me closure because I never got 
to have that final call with anyone or that final conversation with anyone. I had spoke to everyone in person about how I was feeling about our relationships. Um, and again, there would seem like there was going to be an effort put forth, but then there never was. So the letter did not give me as much closure as I expected it to for as long as I expected it. So I thought that was going to be the end. Perfect ending. Boom. Done. It wasn't. It just kept coming back up in my life. Like it kept, I never spoke to them again after the letter, or I'm not going to say again, cause I'm gonna get to that. I never spoke to them for a long time after the letter, but I would have dreams about them. I would see families on TV and feel sad. I would, um, here I would see stuff from other family members on Facebook like just a lot of stuff that I just I knew I wasn't fully over it I went to therapy therapy tried to help even my therapist almost shunned me for writing the letters and to this day I stand by my decision to write the letters now if you talking to 29 year old Santana in February of 2022 no I'm not gonna write letters right now no I wouldn't choose to do that right now but the only way and reason I know I wouldn't do that right now is because I had to do it in the past and get over it and realize that that wasn't a good way to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't regret doing it because it taught me something. Um, and my intention was only pure with that. So I don't regret it. People have really come at me on some like, if you wrote them a letter, you can't expect them to ever forgive you again type shit. And in my mind, I'm always thinking like, what? why are y'all missing all the neglect and sadness and hurt that I had as the reason I wrote the letter. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I have a glorious relationship with all of my siblings. Let me write them letters and say, fuck you and move on with my life. Clearly there was shit happening. Clearly there was hurt. Clearly there was, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff happening for me to make that decision. Why is everyone ignoring all those things that happened before the letter and just gets to the letter and like, how dare you? Um, my husband explained it as the letter was like a climax of a movie. Yeah, shit happens all in the beginning of a movie, but at the climax, that's when everything changes for good. And that's what people focus on. And I get that, but I, I said what I said <laughs> and I did what I did and I stand by it. So after a few years of therapy, thinking about it, journaling, oh my gosh, so many journal entries, so many movie ideas, to explain this like bald head step stepchild syndrome I was going through this fucking abandonment that I felt this neglect um and if I go back to the beginning of the story when I said that kids were everything for me when I was a kid like having peers because adults were not like my my fun place and my enjoyment in my childhood that was I had always wanted siblings and I finally got them and I wanted to hold on to them so that was a big part of like why this shit was hurting me so bad I always wanted siblings and it was just really hard for me I've always been very lucky with love in terms of like I met my husband so young and I've been in a healthy great relationship for all these years and most women are searching for love out in the world they're searching for that one guy. But for me, it was always searching for this sisterhood, for this brotherhood, for like someone to treat me like a sibling. So that's why it was so important for me. That's why it was so hurtful for me. Um, so then it got to a point where after all this therapy, after all this shit, I said, let me try to reach out and have another big, huge, mature conversation and lay it all out on the table and figure out what the fuck going on. It started with my brother because I had a convert or I had a dream about him. Our birthdays are 10 days apart. I had a dream about him 
And I always go through something each year around my birthday. I always go through like an epiphany. I always go through like some feelings or some thoughts that that changes me. It's always like a revised Santana every every May. Like this different version of me pops out. So this that particular year, which I think was 2020, um, it was like I started dreaming about him around his birthday. And I couldn't stop thinking about him and I was so sad and I was writing and all that. And again, mind you, we've never had this close relationship. Like I keep saying, so why was I dreaming about him? Why was it so big for me? I don't know. It just was, I couldn't control my thoughts and my emotions. It just popped up and that's what it was. So I reached out, he agreed to meet, we met up and the conversation was very roller coastery. I, I structured the conversation. I literally wrote down an agenda for the conversation because that's how organized I am once, first of all. But second of all, like I wrote down a, an agenda because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I wanted to come at a standpoint of maturity and growth and be ready to hear all the tough things that I either never heard or heard before and just get it all out in the open. For me, it also was a situation of like when you're in a relationship with a dude and he telling you he love you and want to be with you and all this stuff, but he acting real funny and he hiding shit and he not coming around on holiday. Like, you know, you you just be like, tell me the truth. Do you want to be with me or not? And you saying one thing, but then you showing another thing. Just be honest and say, I don't want to be with you. Like, that's just kind of how I was coming at it with all my siblings. Like, let's have this honest conversation you tell me who you are and how you are and how you feel. And I do the same. And at the end of this, we'll decide if we just don't want to have a relationship or not, then we just move on. But like, be honest with me about that. Be honest if that's not, if you can't give me what I want as a brother or sister. So literally started the conversation. I would like, tell me about yourself. Like we do not know each other, especially as adults. We don't know each other. He told me a lot about his past and growing up that I didn't know that really helped me understand who he was better. So that was necessary. And that was my point of asking that I told him about me hoping to give him some understanding into who I was. Um, then we talked about our issues. He told me one of the big things that came out the conversation was that he told me that him and all the siblings felt like my letters were evil. How could she like that blew my mind and that made me cry because I was like, how could y'all think my letters were evil? I didn't have any ill intent. It's not even about intent. Literally my words were not like malicious, bad, anything. Like if I really had the time and the capacity, I would sit here on this, on this podcast and read y'all the letters. If y'all want me to in a different episode, I will obviously changing the names and stuff like that. But like literally my letters were so sweet and just simply vulnerable. It it was nothing like bad or mean or anything. And then he tried to summarize some of the stuff I said where he was completely wrong. I still to this day have those letters and I pulled it up in front of him and read it in front of him at a full bar outside on a patio crying, telling him what this letter said. And he didn't even have the capacity to apologize and be like, you right or all, okay, that, that, you know, okay, we misread that. He literally was just like, well, you know, I mean, everybody ain't gonna get it. What? (laughs) So we ended the conversation with me basically saying, um, you know, I'm going to (laughs) end the conversation with me being like, what do you want from me as a sister? Here's what I want from you as a brother. Are you able to do that? Am I able to do that? Cool. Let's make a conscious effort to do that. 
Again, my ask was the same thing it was years prior. Show up for me. Invite me to stuff. Show up for me. Invite me to stuff. Include me. Love me. Basically is essentially what I was asking for. Um, and the relationship will build itself from there. We'll get to know each other from there and grow as people and siblings from there. He said, okay, let's get our kids together. We got kids. We got sons that's around the same age that never, that met when they were babies and don't even remember each other. So we like, yeah, let's do stuff. Let's do stuff. Let's do stuff. I'm constantly hitting him up, trying to figure out like after the meeting. No, before I even get to that, you know what? There is so much more to this story. I'm actually going to end it right here because I did not want this podcast episode to be this long. I'm going to do a part two um, to this episode and I'm just going to end it right here and come back later and tell you guys the rest of the story. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope this was, it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be because I really wanted it to be so much shorter. Um, but I wanted, I, I got into the story and couldn't like, shorten it there were so many elements that needed to be said and there is still like I'm literally in the juice of this pot of stew and um it's not just gonna be like another few more minutes to finish telling the story so I think I should just do a part two so for now I'm gonna end it here thank you guys for listening I hope you tune in for part two you know, obviously hit me up on my Instagram at listen the podcast. If you have any questions about this episode, if you like this episode, just give me your reflections, your thoughts, whatever. Um, I'm mad that it couldn't fully come full circle and be about closure and forgiveness. Like I wanted it to for the first episode of the year, but part two coming soon and you'll get the full scoop and you'll really be able to see how things come full circle. Um, so Hope you guys enjoyed and until next time, peace.